the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What are some signs of a mature leader? And later we're joined by Matthew Martins. He's a lawyer and seminary graduate talking about reforming criminal justice. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson. As always, joined by my co-host, Brian Fromm. We are so glad that you are with us today. If you've missed any of today's show, be sure to go back, catch up on the podcast. We like to say our podcast is a little special and unique because it's a daily Mm -hmm. podcast. And so uh, we don't want you to miss that. We also enjoy engaging with you on social media at Common Good Talk on Facebook. All right, uh, Brian, you and I are both leaders. Lots of our listeners are leaders. I think many of our people might not consider themselves leaders, but they actually are leaders just because you're leading something, right? You're leading someone in some way, shape, or form you're leading. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of immature leaders in the news over the past several years or even like, you know, toxic leaders over the past few years. But, you know, so for every like 10 leaders you hear their toxic leadership story, there are still a 50 leaders that are like faithfully leading and more and, than that for yeah, sure 100 for sure. right yeah right. yeah the, sure. the they don't get the press obviously because there's not a lot of clickbait like here's a faithful pastor <laughs> it's not a good story to go let me tell you about this pastor of 25 years who goes to the gym every morning right he goes to the gym each morning and he reads his bible afterwards mm-hmm. <laughs> coming up newsworthy <laughs> Um, but I bring that up because Propel Women, an organization that I'm affiliated with, just published something about 10 signs of a mature leader. And so I, I wanted to kind of talk through as many of these as we can, Brian, with our time. But the first one is this. Maturity is unshaken by two things, flattery or criticism. Maturity is unshaken by flattery or criticism. Mm. When our identity is secure in Christ, we can live free from the approval or the critique of others. Obedience and confidence cannot be affected by either. That one feels tricky That's to me because I then I'm like, oh, then I'm not mature. Because I definitely get I get shaken by criticism, even if it's good criticism that I want to hear. And I think with flattery, I get like a little like, oh, okay, good. Now I know I'm doing a good job. Like I definitely put some of my value in those things. Yes. Something yes. I feel like the Lord is trying to like wean out of me, but it's in there. It is interesting to think about why is this a sign of maturity? And I think you're on it is because uh, when criticism and flattery are what drive or shipwreck me, it just says that I don't have enough self-identity. I'm not secure enough to go, okay, I know what I'm doing is correct or I'm I'm in the right path regardless of what people say. Now, it's never that you're immune to flattery or criticism, but – I do right. think they're right. Immature leaders. I, you, know, you and I are in the pastor world, so that's primarily where my mind goes. Yeah. You know, flattery. Hey, did everybody like my sermon? Hey, how did that sound? Hey, is everybody totally. on board with what I decided? What do you think right. about my decision? Or right. 
hey, we make a decision. Hey, I think that's a bad idea. Uh-oh, we better change course. One person said a bad thing about it. Like, yeah, yeah. That roller coaster is a real thing. Uh, and uh, again, this happens in all leadership. You and I are know the pastor world, so that's what right. we speak of. But it's like when you ride that co- roller coaster of flattery and criticism and everything's based on what other people think of you mm-hmm. or say about you – you can't lead that way. You just can't do it. And so I, yeah, I never really thought of that as the 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 differentiator between maturity and immaturity. immaturity. But I think it makes sense. Yeah, it's really interesting. All right, here's the next one. Maturity has the ability to delay gratification, the ability to wait and understand that timing is just as critical as knowing the right decision is key. Leaders who want it all now will lose it all later. Ooh. That one's that one's pretty brutal. You know, you've seen those like social experiments with kids, right? And like the kids who they put marshmallows in front of them and tell them to wait, right? And the kids who can't wait are the ones they say, I I don't really know what the result is, but they say maturity is that sign of like the kid who can wait to eat the marshmallow for the hour. He gets two marshmallows or exactly, something like that. Yeah. Have, it's always better for them to wait and yeah. they don't, you know. Yeah. I do think about that again and in my life as a pastor. The number of times I'm like, I want to do this and I want it to be done within the next four days when it should be like a six month thought totally, process. Totally, Brian. Totally. Uh, this kind of, um, yeah, why are we not changing now? And then uh-huh. the, the, the other part of that is like never being able to stick to something. I've had yeah. this many times, if I'm honest, in my own life. Like, Hey, we're going in this direction. Oh, I just read this book about this. Let's go so in this direction. So now we're doing this. Oh, I just went to this conference. Let's go in this direction. Uh-huh. And it's a total whiplash. And I've had, I would like to think I've grown out of this. But when I was early on at leading at our church, I had many people say to me, like, we can't handle all the how we don't finish yeah. things and yeah. how we go a different direction. And, yeah. how and I was like, oh, I didn't recognize that. But I, I, I did. it's a big deal. Like being it steadfast. It is a big deal. Yeah, old, you know, it's the old uh, Eugene Peterson again, long obedience in the same mm. direction. It's like, hey, we have a goal and we're heading towards it and we understand there's going to be ups and downs and it's going to take a while, but we're just going to keep plugging along. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I was part of a church plant years ago and they were like that, like the changing, the whiplash. And it was hard. You're like, wait, what do you do? Why are you doing a new thing yeah. now? What about this other yeah. thing we were focusing on? And I think for the people you're leading, that can feel very disorienting. Yeah. Um, this one is related and maybe we'll end here, but maturity can keep commitments long term. The ability mm. to maintain is just as valuable and mature as the ability to pioneer. Mature leaders mm. are just as faithful to a project when it becomes tedious. This one's actually like, for me, I think this is kind of a healing word because there's a lot of, especially in our world, Brian, there's a lot of pressure to, you need to start, you need to entrepreneur, you need to pioneer, you need to have a movement, you need to be the leader of something that's happening right. and growing and big. And you and I are both church leaders. Uh, So we are leading something, but it can almost feel like that's not enough. Like there needs to be this other thing that you're pioneering. And so to hear like, actually maturity is like, what if you just stay, you know, and just lead well and are are committed to the people you're committed to. And God has like put in front of you. That to me is like a really good word that we don't hear enough. This makes me think that a lot of church planters, to be honest with you, are lack maturity. (laughs) Like there's a usefulness, there's a all over the place, there's... That mm. and it's probably why a lot of them don't make it. Yeah, it's probably why a lot don't make yeah. it. I think 
by the grace of God, we made it. Cause I think I look at these and I go, wow, 13 years ago when we started our church, I was this too. And yeah, uh, it's really something. So yeah, it is really something. Well, you can read more at Propel Women. They have different, more signs of maturity. Maybe we can continue talking about them a little bit later, but uh, really good stuff for us to mm-hmm. think through. Coming up next, we're joined by Matthew Martins. He's a lawyer and he has a recently published book called Reforming Criminal Justice. We're going to talk to him about it, what it means to be a Christian thinking through these topics. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. So we're going to do something kind of fun. We started a conversation about signs of mature leaders, and then we had an incredible conversation with a very mature leader uh, about criminal justice. That's Matthew Martins. He's got a new book out called Reforming Criminal Justice, A Christian Proposal. Uh, We'd really encourage you to grab a copy and be sure to listen to that conversation if you missed it. But what I wanted to do is actually go back to this conversation about signs of mature leadership, because there's 10 of them that Propel Women is putting out there. Brian and I got to about three, I think. Conversation was so good that I thought it was worth continuing to have. So if you missed it, we talked about how mature leaders are unshaken by flattery or criticism. Mature leaders have the ability to delay gratification. Mature leaders can keep their commitments long-term. And then here's number four. Maturity has a spirit of humility. It's important to give credit to your colleagues, to share the wins, to give your opinion, but let others go first. It's thinking of others more and ourselves less. That feels like uh, you had kind of made a joke before. It seems like a lot of church planters are maybe not mature leaders. This right. humility piece, I, I just don't know that you can be a pastor without humility, but I see a lot of pastors who aren't humble. So true. And uh, I do feel like this is one I don't, you know, the, the age old thing is when you say you've grown in humility, then you haven't. Right. But, right. Um, But I do feel like this is something that I've grown in as I've gotten older as a leader is going, I get more, not, I still love when people like praise me, don't get me wrong, but I do enjoy being like, Hey, this was his idea. Hey, this was her idea. Uh Hey, there is like, whereas I think when you first start, you want to take credit for everything. We're pastors. So let's take the church. You want to be like, someone's like, Hey, that's a great thing going on in children's ministry that you might have nothing to do with, but it's your church. And you're like, yeah, right. yeah. You know, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I will take responsibility for that. Right. 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 <laughs> I, I think that is a great sign of maturity. Somebody who goes, Hey, um, you know, I want to make it about them. And also this is like a mature, this is a sign of maturity in parenting, right? Yeah. Like uh, when my focus goes wow. from myself to like what my kids are doing and wanting to kind of prop up them and support them. I think this happens also in parenting. I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. When you kind of move from focusing on yourself and your drive and your achievements to like lifting them up and what's God calling them to do that. That's interesting to think about that as a sign of maturity. All right. Number five, whoo, this one. Maturity is not ruled by emotions. Jesus Mm -hmm. said to our heavenly father, not my will, but yours be done. His obedience wasn't based on feelings, but on his decision to obey. That one to me is, you know, I'm a feeler. Like, obviously, I have a kid's book out called Big Feelings Days. So I'm a big feeler. But I do recognize there's the difference between honoring your emotions 
and being ruled by them. Right. Mm, like I yeah. think sometimes, you know, I, I wrote, I write my book about emotions because we tend to deny them and pretend like they're not real. But I, I would not go so far as to say like the emotions get to be in the driver's seat and make all of your decisions, especially in leadership. Because if you're tired, if you're having a bad day, if you're just not doing okay, you can lead from that place and be burnt out and really hurt people and lead to like a lot that leads to a lot of destruction. Not that emotions are bad, but like we just can't let that can't be the winner. And then you think about that in terms of like even just temptation as a leader, like emotionally, I might want to lack integrity in this one area or cut this corner or whatever. But like my obedience as a leader means something. My integrity even inside of my home where no one can see matters as much as my appearance outside of the home where everyone's watching me. Yeah. The emotional one to me is tied into the, what we said earlier about, you know, immature leaders, young leaders or whatever, ride that roller coaster of Mm, emotion. Yeah. When, When you're just driven by your emotions. Like I know in my own life, when I'm driven by my emotions solely, uh, those don't withstand the difficult moments. Like you start to go, oh, I'm not enjoying this anymore. We better go a different direction. So it yeah. plays into that whiplash we talked earlier totally. about. Like, hey, well, well, I better change which way we're going. We better do this now. We're going right. to do this now. Right. And uh, y- you just want to follow leaders, whether it be political leaders, church leaders, family, whatever, who are steady. Yeah. Who are like not high, yeah. not too high. The highs aren't too high. The lows aren't too low. Mm. And you can just go and um yeah it's these are these are challenging i've seen these in my own life and my own leadership each of these they um the emotion and the just wavering by what people are saying i i think these are these are things that if you lead anything you should probably look in the mirror and ask yourself yeah i think so too let me let me quickly go through the last four and then we can just unpack anything that like stands out to us Uh, Number six, maturity expresses gratitude constantly. Mm -hmm. Mature leaders know that it's a privilege to serve. They they do not have a sense of, quote, I deserve this. Uh, Maturity prefers others to self. (laughs) That one kind of goes back to like the humility piece. Maturity is teachable. I find this one to be very true. A mature leader does not have a know-it-all spirit, but a tell-me-more spirit. They are lifelong Mm. learners. Maturity is responsible. Mature leaders come up with solutions rather than deposit problem on other leaders' desks. Uh, Maturity brings freedom. Mature leaders don't have to be micromanaged. They can be entrusted to carry out the vision. Any of those stand Mm. out to you? You know what they all kind of do in this sense. Uh, So first of all, So much of this has to do with just our emotion and our steadiness, right? Mature leaders are steady. They are, they're kind of the rock in the midst of the storm and they're, uh, they remain steady. But also on this, I I can struggle when reading lists like this and go, oh, I'm not doing that perfectly. I'm not doing that Totally, yeah. But when I look at like the trajectory of my, say, 13 years of Mm -hmm. leading this church, I could go, Man, I have matured. Mm. I got a long way to go, mm. but I have matured. I used to be a lot more driven by emotion. I used to be a lot yeah. more driven by what other people said. I used yeah. to be a lot more driven by – I yeah. used to be a lot more all over the place. Do Is there room for growth? And so I do want to make sure people understand that. Like this is a trajectory. That's good. This is kind of a, That's a good. movement. Not and an arrival. Have, 
Yeah, yeah, I think we should ask ourselves whether you're a pastor or you lead a business or whatever else. Am I moving? Am I growing? Am I moving in the right direction? Am I maturing? Like, yeah. it's not, am I mature? Done. Am I maturing? Am, am I, I am I maturing? I actually think that's a real that's a really good word because you're right. Like sometimes you can look at these lists and you can be like, I'm not meeting that mark. I'm not meeting right. that mark. I'm not. But yeah, to think about this as like a, a fulcrum, a spectrum that you're moving towards. And yeah, I, I think that's true, Brian. You can look back on your ministry career and go, No, actually, I'm not as emotional as I used to be, or, or I do take more responsibility than I did, or I I do have more freedom. I don't have to be micromanaged because I know how to carry out a task. You know. Like those things I think are really good. This is interesting for me to think about even as a parent too, to teach our kids. Like this is what it means children to be responsible and you get more freedom. I'm thinking my own teenager, like you get more freedom when you start, you know, we see you growing in these signs of maturity. Anyway, I thought that was really helpful. You can go to propel women on Instagram to read more of those. It's the end of the show. And apparently Brian has a story to tell us. It's not a story. It's a question for you of something I read about a football player and something he does at McDonald's. Are you ready? Uh, (laughs) I'm so ready for this. He is a wide receiver on the um, Detroit Lions named Jamison Williams, young guy, 22 years old. Uh, He posted a picture the other day that had people going crazy. He got – you're not a big McDonald's person, but he went to McDonald's. Mm -mm. He does this regularly. He has a McDouble. It's just a cheeseburger, right? A McDouble, it's – but it's, it's a cheeseburger two or something. Sure, sure. But it's just think normal cheeseburger. But he has okay. the top off of it. And you ready for what he has put on top of the cheeseburger? Oreo McFlurry. What? So he combines his what? Oreo McFlurry with his McDouble. And I want to ask, would you oh. ever try oh. this? Oh, this is making me want to vomit hearing about. Wait, so he dumps the flurry on top of the hamburger? It, literally, if you look at the picture, How do you it even is as eat if, it? it's not dumped. It's as if he spread it on as if it were a condiment. Like he oh, has basically taken some of Gross. the McFlurry and Gross. spread it Gross. onto the burger patty, ketchup, mustard, Gross. Oreo McFlurry. Gross. Why? 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 It's, Why? He created it. He likes it. But the people were going nuts. Literally people being like, now I know why you were so bad on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> that someone is else so said, disgusting. Someone else said, I love this guy, but a McFlurry on a burger is unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say like lettuce. Like, you know, he nope. took off the bread and replaced it with lettuce. But wow. Okay. That is there's extra. another football player. This one might be a little bit more, but there's another football player. He's a quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. He's a rookie named Will Levis. And it, he would, during the draft process, it came out, he had posted videos and people went nuts about this. You're a coffee drinker. So yes, you yes. can speak to this one. So you're already out on the McFlurry McDouble combo. Okay. Yes, that's this disgusting. guy. Do you want to know what he put in his coffee? On a daily basis, mayonnaise. Oh, 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 oh! Gross, 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 gross. You know, I've heard people use mayonnaise as like a butter substitute. So it's you know they put it in the portillo's cake or they put it in whatever potatoes. They put it in eggs, you know, to make it fluffy or to make it. But in your coffee, this football quarterback. He was put. He puts it. It's his thing. It's what he does. He puts mayo in his coffee. 
So my mom is one of those keto people who puts like basically like a stick of butter in her coffee, which I think is nasty, <laughs> but at least there's some good flavor with that. Like I can see the butter more than I can see I mayonnaise. I just think uh, mayonnaise so, is disgusting anyway, but wow. So the two that- football players, you're out on both of them. McDouble, McFlurry combo. Coffee with mayo. Would you put mayonnaise in your iced tea? I would not. <laughs> what, about would mayonnaise? not. what about mayo in your hot chocolate? How do I we feel not. about that? Mayo, mayo in your McFlurry onto your McDouble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow so i was watching a movie on netflix the other day uh i don't know if i can recommend it uh it's that's probably means no you can't you cannot recommend it i'll just be honest about what i was watching it's called the killer it was actually very entertaining about this assassin but um violent so i can't recommend it to people who don't like violence but um he this guy went to mcdonald's or somewhere and his character got like an egg breakfast sandwich and a burger and took off the buns and used the like white flat egg as the buns on the burger so it was like obviously this healthy protein move but i was like i wonder if people do that in real life do you know what people need to just commit to burgers have been made the same way for a long time eat them that way (laughs) coffee's been made the same way for a long time keep keep going with it uh (laughs) McFl- uh, ice cream has been eaten apart from burgers for a long. Just do it that way. Yeah, keep, keep it. Be a traditionalist. <laughs> have you ever at Starbucks? I'm sure you haven't because you don't drink coffee. But Starbucks nope. has a new Oleata latte. It's olive oil. Oh my In gosh, the latte, yeah, it's kind awful. of that. Again, it's sort of that keto move. Like let's awful. put our like high fats in our coffee. And I had one. It actually wasn't that bad, but you definitely could taste the olive oil. So it's like this yeah. just tastes like olive oil. You're saying it's not that bad because coffee's gross. So it's I love like... coffee. No, coffee is delicious. <laughs> I will fight. I, this is a hill I will die on. No, actually, you know what? You know what? Coffee is gross, but what makes coffee good is all the like the sweeteners and stuff all the flavors you could add oreo mcflurry to coffee (gasps) that would be fantastic (laughs) now that's what we need to tell that guy that's the thing to do (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we weren't going to keep talking about this but are there any like weird food habits that you or your family have when kevin and i were first married like Kevin's family is an intense ketchup family, like ketchup on everything, ketchup at every meal. But like they went extreme. Like I, I remember so clearly making vegetable soup or stew for the first time. And my husband literally gets out ketchup and like, (laughs) (laughs) I made spaghetti one time and my husband gets out ketchup and puts it on the spaghetti. So, you know, some people put ketchup on like eggs and you're kind of like, that's weird. Oh, you do that. Okay. I think that's gross, but some people do it, but the spaghetti and the soup, like that's That's too intense, right? That's funny. So I'm, uh, I'm Norwegian. So I'm of, of oh. that background, and Carrie joking. Elsa and Anna. Well, Hello, wow. Carrie, Carrie, very early on went like this, basically. Like, I feel like the the most taste, the, like the biggest tasting uh, spice in for the Norwegians is just salt. <laughs> like, <there's no laughs> and so uh, there's some truth to that. So I did not. I don't have a lot of weirdness growing up in terms of food, but you know what yeah. I do. I didn't eat – like I don't remember ever eating Mexican food at a Mexican restaurant or Chinese food at a Chinese restaurant until I went to college. Wait, for real? For real. And so – 
because your Norwegian family, it was like too flavorful. I don't know. I wouldn't say that, but it was just it just and and my town didn't have a lot of those restaurants mm-hmm, to begin with, mm-hmm. but but it just wasn't part of the repertoire. You like you know how your family like yeah you probably yes. thought nothing of it, but you guys probably ate like you probably your mom probably had her go to things and totally just the way it was and so wow. I did tell you I, I will I will remind you the very first fight. Or the very first time I hurt my new wife's feelings right after our honeymoon. Oh, I know this first, story. <laughs> was our first meal when she was like, I'm going to cook for my new husband. I came home from work. <laughs> she hadn't started work yet. And she made this wonderful spread of breakfast food for dinner. <laughs> and she was so proud. And I walked in the door and I go, what's this? <laughs> Oh, and man, she's you're one. So- I now am a big fan of breakfast for yeah, dinner. Like I get it. She's won but, you over. But it goes back to your background. I wasn't. I didn't come from a family where we you were just, having French toast for dinner. You just know didn't what I mean? Have the like, category. Wow, what a jerk you are to your wife. I was. I was my <laughs> wife also. She tells stories that, like you know, a lot of times on Sunday nights. I don't know if your family was like this. It'd be much more casual. Like a yeah, totally. My dinner. mom be like leftovers sunday nights get what you want yeah so carrie sometimes on sunday nights her family if i remember the story correctly would literally just have corn on the cob (laughs) that's it (laughs) that was the meal And I love corn on the cob. But But that is like like your main your main uh, dinner item. (laughs) But it's funny, like you look back on your childhood and you thought those things were just normal. Yeah, you didn't really think twice about it. Maybe he grew up having milkshakes on a burger and is like, Maybe he did. Maybe that Yeah, this is what this is what we always did on Sunday nights. Uh, our producer Laura Finch popped on here to say that Swedish people put raw egg in their coffee grounds. Yeah, that's gross. What's that about? Why? That's about salmonella is apparently what that is. I was about. just thinking that. That's about food poisoning for sure. All right. Well, hey, let us know any weird foods that you might have eaten as a family or any weird food habits you have now on our social media at Common Good Talk. Brian and I will be back again. Again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 